I grew up knowing about Ronnie Hawkins because my dad was a huge fan of the band. So uh, his name would often come up in association with the band. But of course, he mentored many others, had a successful career of his own. Um, basically, the father of rock and roll in Canada, not to be overly enthusiastic about this, but in many ways he was. He passed away Sunday morning. He was 87 years old, born in Arkansas, but again, you know, in many ways made his big mark in this country. Um, when he moved here in the late fifties, he had an order of Canada. <laughs> he became really quite a name in his adopted country, but elsewhere too. I mean, it was covered today in the New York times in Rolling Stone. I mean, he was huge in a lot of places. Um, and part of it too was, was the fact that he'd mentored all these great artists over time. Uh, and also just his own kind of style that was, uh, that was, well, I'll let, I'll let my next guest describe it. He probably knows more about this than I do. Eric Alper is a music publicist, a Sirius XM host, uh, joins us tonight from Toronto. Thanks so much for staying up late, Eric, as always. No problem. What else am I going to do? I mean, let's talk about <laughs> Ronnie Hawkins. You actually did a really great job. I loved Ronnie Hawkins. I mean, he was, he's, me to too. me, he was the embodiment of that era, right? Of that sort of rockabilly era. But then he became so much more to, to this country, didn't he? Yeah, you know, growing up in, in, in Arkansas when he was, you know, a late teenager, early 20s, he started a bar um, and he was booking artists like Jerry Lee Lewis and Roy Orbison and Conway Twitty, which him and Conway became really, really good friends. And so he kind of, you know, built this scene around that state when it came to booking artists. And Conway Twitty was supposed to be doing something like a six-month residency in Hamilton, Ontario, and, and various um, cities and towns um, nearby. Um, but he couldn't do it at the last minute. And so the, the owner said, well, if you can find somebody to replace you, I'll get you out of your contract. And so Conway called Ronnie. And Ronnie didn't know the first thing really about Canada. Most Americans don't even today. Um, but he came up here and with his rockabilly music, I mean, this is the beginning of rock and roll. Like there was no infrastructure. There's no Canadian content way before much music ever existed. Um, blew the place away in Hamilton and, uh, you know, found a real love of Canada and the people and especially a home for his music. And that's where he ended up staying all of these years for over six decades. Because, I mean, if you look at his chart history, it's not exactly Elvis, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty limited in terms of just the impact he had in terms of his own success on the charts. Uh, but, but his success as an, as a mentor here, and just as a personality and as a, as a rock and roller, if I can use that term, uh, seemed to be far greater than, than radio play and chart success. He had one top 40 chart hit on the Billboard Hot 100, and that was with Mary Lou back in 1959. So if you look at his chart success, no, it's nothing really mind-blowing. In fact, even Robbie Robertson this weekend said that, he, you know, Ronnie wasn't the greatest singer in the world, and he wasn't the greatest songwriter in the world, but what he was, he had a great eye and ear for talent. And he was a good leader when it came to putting people together. And when he first met the guys in the band before they were in the band and when uh, um, to form his backing band, the Hawks, um, that was it. You know, that was um, meshing and molding different personalities into, into the group and uh, made them work gave them their 10,000 hours worth of practice and they became great. And when they left Ronnie to go with Bob Dylan, 
when Bob was thinking about going electric instead of, you know, acoustic folk, um, changed their name to the band and literally changed music overnight. You know, there's no alternative country. There's no Americana. There's no folk. There's no real rock and roll as we know it without the band. And you can thank Ronnie Hawkins for that. And he got to see all of this, which is amazing. Most artists, you know, don't get those accolades or those awards like the Order of Canada or the Juno Hall of Fame or Canada's Walk of Fame um, until sometimes after they're passed away. But Ronnie got to see the success not only of the band, but of other people he mentored like David Clayton Thomas and Larry Gowan and Burton Cummings. And that scene in Yorkville, Ontario, just in Toronto, um, you know, with Leona Boyd and Murray McLaughlin and Bruce Coburn and Neil Young and Joni and, and all of these artists. He was right in the middle of all of that because of his love of music and because of his eyes and ears for talent. And I guess what he had that so few other people had it and what was a nascent industry here was that he had experience. He knew how it worked. He had this idea. He knew what it took to make money. Although there's a very funny story that he told about sending one of his bands off to the U S and just telling them not to say you're Canadian. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they said that, you know, if you ever get stopped, you know, just say that you're from Mississauga, Tennessee, because these people wouldn't even know the difference anyway. Um, but you know, his larger than life personality and his amazing sense of humor and his kindness and his gratitude reached even John Lennon and Yoko Ono when they were doing bed-ins across the world where they would be, you know, hanging out in their bed in hotel rooms, talking about world peace to various members of the media. Um, they came up to Toronto and stayed in Ronnie Hawkins place. And it was the first time that John Lennon had actually seen snow and went outside and frolicked with Yoko in the snow. And when Ronnie was asked about it, you know, what was his greatest memory of hanging out with John Lennon in 1969? He, he said the phone bill was astounding because they didn't have roaming from home. It was, everything was so landline. So the ability for somebody like John Lennon to pay accolades. And, you know, we know that John Lennon loved the early rock and roll. He loved Eddie Cochran, loved Buddy Holly. And of course he loved Ronnie Hawkins. It's 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 hard to imagine that there will be another generation of folks like Ronnie like Ronnie Hawkins and that you know that, that sort of those larger than life characters are kind of embodied something for so many years. Um, it's hard to imagine that that we'll ever see the likes of Ronnie Hawkins again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the only one that comes close, and I know listeners are going to start throwing things at the radio when I say this, <laughs> but the only one that might come close is Drake. Because with Drake, not only does he have the yes. chart success, he's sitting at something like 280 Billboard Hot 100 hits. But for Drake to notice you on social media and for you as an artist to be within that circle of his record label and getting touched by the hand of him for his management to assist and bookings and showing up at his shows, he's kind of reminding me a little bit about Ronnie is that Drake has a real good eye for talent as well, brings in all sorts of, of amazing artists like Rihanna and, uh, and Stevie Wonder to his shows in Toronto. So he's kind of like his own center of attention as well. And, you know, when you get, when you kind of get looked at by Drake, it can kind of elevate you over, you know, the thousands of other artists that are struggling to get some attention. So I know it's not the same music. I know it's not the same era, 
but yeah, you know, Ronnie, there, there's never going to be another one. They, uh, just his TV show in the seventies brought country music and roots and folk music to a whole generation of people who might've just only grown up with say hee-haw, but you got to see these Canadian artists appearing on the national program for the first time. And that alone is, is worthy of our attention. Eric, you're in this business. What is it about someone like a Ronnie Hawkins that can spot talent? What is it that it takes to be able to be a great spotter of talent in this business? Because you hear so much music. And of course, some people just, you, you see them and think, of course, they're great. But obviously he had, he just knew that there was something else there. Everything has to connect. Um, the, and and as, as little as I would love to say, well, you know, the music is only somewhat part of it because it actually is. So many things have to go right. You have to have the right team around you. You have to have the right manager that can push buttons and make things happen and get the right concerts. You know, when to open and when to headline. What cities do you go in? You have to have the right booking agents, too, you know, to know that you're not going to be playing some, you know, some crappy bar on a Thursday night wasting your time when you can take that day off and rest for the really big show on on friday it's the look of the band it's you know everything from the hairstyles to the beards and the mustaches and the clothes you wear to how you look in photographs um all of that has to connect with your audience because musicians write all of their music in complete isolation away from the general public and anybody else and it's amazing that when you release it, you can have tens of millions of people all connect to your music. So the music is part of it, but you have to kind of grab them in other ways with controversy or just giving good quotes in the media. And certainly all of those artists that Ronnie connected with had all of that. We believed in them back in an era where you believed in musicians far more than you did for politicians. And now I'm not so sure that people believe in musicians anymore. Well, certainly not like they believed in the band, I don't think, or Dylan and the band at the, at the time. Um, is that his great legacy, the band? Is that, is that sort of what propelled him to, to the legend that he, that he is, was? Yeah, yeah. And they never forgot it either. You know, not only did mm-hmm. they invite him to open up um, that San Francisco show, which was the final band show that was filmed later on by Martin Scorsese for The Last Waltz. If you watch that footage, of them performing it's it's like kids in the candy store they are having so much fun um you know watching robbie robertson smile from from ear to ear is something that you rarely see in this very serious musician in fact the band invited ronnie to play um with them when roger waters of pink floyd did a concert during the fall of the Berlin Wall. And that was in the 80s and in the 90s. So all those years later, they still had immense respect for the man that put that band together. So, yeah, I think at the end of it all, you know, it might, you know, the band is somewhere in the middle of his legacy, but certainly it's probably one of the biggest. I mean, it would be one of the biggest in anybody's career. I was watching a video of Who Do You Love with uh, with Ronnie and the band from uh, from that last Waltz movie. Uh, Eric Alper, as always, thank you so much for your time. Great to talk about uh, Ronnie Hawkins today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon.